Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me for another episode of You Did This To Us, you the audience voted on this movie. Nicole Davis, how are you? Excellent. I am on day one of not schwitzing every day after like five days in a row where you walked out of the house and it was like being slapped in the face with a hot washcloth. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, because you have that humidity. Like here in Austin, it's hot. Like it's like 106 degrees, but humidity's like 30, 40% usually, which it's uh, funny because people here think that's really humid. But coming from Chicago, as you know, having lived there, it's like 90% yes. in the summer there. Yeah. So email us about your weather in your locale. <laughs> uh, David Luzader, how is your weather? Uh, Great, I bet. Yeah, it's fine. I just want to make sure everyone knows in this episode that if anybody tries to put me in a corner, I'm walking. I will just <laughs> No one puts David in a corner. No one's putting me in a corner tonight. <laughs> yeah, which she's not even a Okay, all right, all right. We'll get, we'll get it's a that. metaphorical corner. It's, it's up against the pillar, but that's a yes. It's a metaphorical I corner. I know, but I'm still, I'm still, I'm still annoyed. <laughs> okay, uh, so you did this to us is where the audience gets to vote, and you can head on over to you did this to us dot com. We have a special website for it now, which lets you vote every single time it opens. When this comes out, it'll be closed, but about three weeks after this releases, it will be open again, meaning that you can vote. And you get to decide as the audience. You can either vote on things that people have already put into the panel. Uh, we seed it. Uh, we tend to seed it with things that have lost but have come close in previous months. We also, you know, we'll throw some other random seeds in there. But by and large, it's always been interesting to see that the things that win tend to just really come out of the woodwork in weird ways. We've watched a lot of bizarre films for you. To this. You did this to us. Uh, but with that said, next week is a brand new movie go round round and nicole you are kicking it off with a new tattoo a film that neither myself nor david have seen before what are we going to be watching we will be watching 2016's midnight special starring michael shannon joel edgerton uh, it's directed by jeff nichols who directed mud and take shelter and oh, loving nice. oh you had me at michael shannon okay <laughs> Oh, this looks really good. I am so excited for this. Okay. I think it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, I've seen like the poster before, but I have not seen the film itself. Yeah, the little boy with the goggles on and the glow and yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Mud. Mud is a great film. Mud is very um, good. Yeah. I remember going to see Mud in the theater and just being shocked at just what it was because it was just mm -hmm. such a interesting little piece. We'll have to talk about that at some point. Very good. Well, for next week, we are starting that brand new round. Be sure to check out Midnight Special if you'd like to follow along. Looks like it's not currently streaming, but it is available for rent $2.99 everywhere, so pretty easy to get. But this week, it was Dirty Dancing. It was 1987's Dirty Dancing. That's what you did, yeah. to, did to us. Uh, while spending the summer at a Catskills resort with her family, Frances, baby houseman, falls in love with the camp's dance instructor, Johnny Castle. Now, <laughs> uh, I had put in our docket, why was this a You Did This To Us? Because to me, You Did This To Us is the realm of shit. It is the realm of the Emoji Movie and Dunstan Jackson and Fifty Shades of Grey and Dirty Dancing 
I know it's memeable, but it's also, to my understanding, and I'm the only person here that had never seen this movie before. I, I didn't know anything about it, which is a big gaping hole in my kind of film pop culture spreadsheet, whatever. Uh, <laughs> why? Why was this like something that people voted a bunch on? Because mm-hmm. it's not a good movie necessarily, but I understand why it was iconic for an entire generation. Well, I mean, I added it to the poll. I know. You but did. I only have but, one, but that's vote. one vote. I only ever vote once. <laughs> yeah, and this one. So, so that's what I'm curious about, is that it is, by most accounts, a reasonably decent film, <laughs> which is which I guess I was just taken aback by, because I'm always bracing for impact on You Did This To Us. I think there might have been some amount of people that were like, Hey, uh, it's a movie about dancing. <laughs> like that's like it's <laughs> a weird thing they haven't really spoken about. Turn that into an hour of conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like figure figure this out. Or they like maybe there's people that were like, I bet Brett and David are gonna hate this. And then it's like jokes <laughs> on you guys. I've seen this movie before and didn't. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And like it is like having not seen it, I certainly know a number of its scenes and lines. It, mm-hmm. it definitely has, you know, permeated pop culture in that regard. Well, I think in its original popularity, I think a good mm-hmm. half of it was due to what David said, where people said, oh, there's dancing in that. Let's go see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this is also during, I mean, this is during the dancing craze. You had this and... Um, Footloose. Footloose. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Footloose a couple of years before. <laughs> the, the craze that swept the nation. Ah, <laughs> That one-two punch of Footloose and Dirty Dancing the of the 80s. 80s. <laughs> that th- that four-year gap. They got two um, perfect dancing movies in. What else do they have to do? Uh, sorry, Breaking yeah. 2, Electric Boogaloo. What's wrong with you? You're right. Oh, my bad. okay. You're my All bad. right. So I, I had dinner this evening with good friends of ours who are in their 40s. And immediately, um, one of them was like, yes, I saw this movie. 27 times <laughs> like, wow. like this is a part of my and this is a part of my generation i was a woman when this came out you know yeah. um so i think like i think part of it is like yes it's memeable and it has parts that have not aged especially well but at the same time it's just so deep-seated in so many people's pop culture catalog of things they just love so yeah yeah i mean i would say it's it's the dancing, for one. Mm-hmm. It's a love story, for two. And uh, it's Patrick Swayze in dance pants. Patrick Swayze's abs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think too, like, I mean, this was a date night movie, you know? Totally. This was a, uh, hey, th- and this is going to get a little, like, heteronormative here, but this is, like, the thinking of, like, the 80s. And, but, you know, it's like, hey, there's dancing in, like, a love story, which is what, like, the the women are going to want to come see and Patrick Swayze. Right. And then like for the men, there's attractive women in dance clothing. And here you go. Bada bing, bada boom. We've got ourselves a summer <laughs> hit. Yeah. I, and I will, I will say like this movie is so such a part of this, of the zeitgeist mm-hmm. that uh, one of my favorite uh, web comics, Penny Arcade, famous, famous web comic. They have a parody in one of their strips of like, you just beat a game. I think it was, <laughs> I may have been dirty dancing the game. Because I think that was a thing, but it was like you just beat this game. Go outside, and he goes outside, and there's Patrick Swayze, and they and he does the lift, and like it's just even this <laughs> this 
webcomic about video games has references to this movie. <laughs> you know, it's that known. So what I want you guys to do at some point, the entire audience, just go on Google and Google dirty dancing wedding leg broken. And it is the most hard. And have, having <laughs> just had a wedding where my bride broke her leg at, our, at my wedding, at least that was more or less an accident. At least you didn't ask for it by trying to recreate the lift because that is a fruitful <sighs> Google search. So many brides have hurt themselves at their weddings doing this. That is a varsity dance move. That's not something yeah. you should do on the JV squad. There's know? a reason he won't teach her right away, you know? Yeah. She's not ready. Right. Exactly. You're not prepared. Yeah. No, I yeah. can I can tell you for my generation, this came I was fifteen when this movie came out. And this was like a as much as I enjoyed it, it was actually the generation before mine where this hit harder. This was bigger with adults than with teenagers. I think partly because of the nostalgia factor of it being set mm. in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And this was a cultural phenomenon between the movie and the soundtrack. And then there were dance classes teaching you the dances. <laughs> and then there were touring shows with like the dirty dancing dancers, it was like going to Riverdance. You know, you went to the dirty dancing stage show. But it was like a full Broadway show at one point, right? I believe so. Yeah, I don't know if it was Broadway, but it was definitely okay. it was made into a musical, and it was a whole cultural thing. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, and I, and I think like what you're saying there with the I I forgot about <laughs> despite the fact that it's so clearly set in the 60s. Just look at their hair. Um, <laughs> like yeah, the movie takes place in this, and like that is like a recipe for success. It's like let's be honest. The reason the Top Gun Maverick is as popular as it is is not because the young people were like ah <laughs> oh, yeah cool. clamoring Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> finally another one of these. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like everybody I know is like, I haven't been to a movie in a hundred years because it's so expensive and I have kids and I'm, you know, whatever. And now they're all flocking to the theaters to see to see this movie because of that. Those sweet nostalgia points. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to just, you know, scream into a pillow later on when I talk about how I feel about some of that. And Nicole, you put it in the docket as well. But we'll get there. Yes. We'll get there. I got to lead up to my mental breakdown. Yeah, so Johnny Castle, I did want to mention something about him as long as we're talking about like people going on dates in the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie could make a um unconfident, generic, toxic masculinity dude in the 80s really uncomfortable in the movie theater because it has like a mixture of like he's kind of toxic on his own. Like he makes some rash decisions, he can be a jerk, you know, he's really up his own ass at certain points in this movie. Uh, but then there is that, like that tender side, right? Like he's a dancer, yeah. right? Like there's, there's artistry to that and there's something gentle to that. And like, it's a weird dichotomy in his character that I just think is very interesting. And I could see, you know, both men and women in the theater reacting very differently to that. Well, I mean, you can mm. see that he cares a lot about Penny. Yes. So yeah. yeah, we'll get to Penny. Well, first of all, let's talk about the resort. Let's break this down at the very beginning. Uh, it's never explicitly mentioned that this is an all Jewish resort. How does that affect the dynamics here? So this is in the Catskills, as we mentioned mm -hmm. in the opener. And as I learned today, I didn't realize this, that that around this time, there was what was called the Borscht Belt, 
Yes. Which was what was also referred to as, quote unquote, the Jewish Alps. <laughs> and that was where all these yeah. like, you know, communities came out of. And to my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, it seems like each ethnic and slash or religious community of a certain degree of wealth had their own little getaway. Oh, absolutely. Like I found an equivalent for like Catholic communities at the same time where they went to a different part. So it seems to me like this was largely Jewish, though. Where was the Catholic one? That's curious. I was reading an article, but I'll pull it up. And I 100% believe that somebody who, like, grew up in a religious environment and know many people from, like, yeah, I totally believe that it's, like, there are certain places that all people of this affiliation yes. go to. Right. Uh, Especially if they're wealthy people. Yes. Because right. this right. is not only this is where you can go and you won't face discrimination, but this is where you can go, like, spouse shopping for people of the right age. Yo, singles weekend. Though this seemed more like a, a family camp. Yeah, but I mean, they're clearly eyeballing people for, you know, their daughters to go off with. Oh, true. Oh, yes, 100. yes. This is, this is the parents shopping. Yeah. Yes, the parents doing are doing the, the shopping. There is a line in this movie. The guy, who is the guy that's courting baby at the beginning? That's Neil Kellerman. He's the son of oh. the owner. God, I hate him so much. Where he tells her he's known as the catch of the county, and I just burst out laughing. Ah, it seemed uh, like a catch to me. And then a moment later, mansplains to her that the world is not a good place. He's like, you know, sometimes you just have to see things that are not great. Oh, just yeah, just the worst. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Neil. Neil is. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's the worst. Robbie is the worst. Uh, Robbie's, Robbie's the, the worst. worst. Neil Neil is like not entirely aware. I think he's got like that I'm the owner's son sort of uh thing. Yes. Totally, he lacks in totally. self-awareness. And he's he even tries to impress baby who's going into the peace corps. He's trying to impress her with his social progressiveness saying he's going to go down south with a bunch of friends of his freedom riding. Ah, uh, yes. Yet do you see any non-entertainment black people working at this resort? Oh, no. Nope. In fact, the only people of color I saw in the entire movie are service staff or dancers. So, and I don't believe any of them have lines. No. No, they do not. No, they do not. Uh, yeah. Oh, you suck, Neil. Um, yeah. So, like, the waiters are all groomed. The owner recruits the waiters no, from no, no, Ivy there, League there schools. Is, there is a man of color with a line, but he is, like... He's the band leader. A racist... Not the band leader. Um, oh, not the band leader. Well, is it the band leader who is talking to the owner at the end, where the owner's, like, rhapsodizing about how, like, yeah. everyone wants to go to Disneyland in the Europe now, so they don't want to come to my crappy resort? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the band leader. Yeah, that guy has a line. Lots of changes. How how like how long are they at this resort? It, minimum a month? Yeah, like three weeks to a month, something like that. Yeah. But it seems recurring for some of them. Like they come every other weekend or something like that. Like they don't live that far away for some of them. Mm, that's probably true. Yeah. It's kind of typical for resorts like that. You'll get people who come for just a weekend or just one week. Right. Like there's the wife that outs baby to right. her family because she wants... 
Patrick Swayze all to herself, even though she's married. She's there all week, but her husband's her husband's only right. up on weekends. Yeah, he so. just comes up on weekends. Because <laughs> he's oh out gosh. being the breadwinner, I guess, and can only come up on weekends to the resort. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, right. the really wealthy families, you know, some might spend the entire summer there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is neglected wife summer camp, as you called it, Nicole. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a hundred percent what this is. This yeah. is. I mean, why do you think? Yeah, like, oh, the husband is going. Oh, he's got to work during the week. I'll just right. be at the summer right. camp. Go buy some <laughs> dance lessons and trying on wigs and art out on the lawn. Yeah, accusing people of stealing money. Right. Uh, oh my god the all, scene all, where... <laughs> all the favorite rich women activities oh yeah but of course uh, i love when neil comes in but this is right after they do the iconic patrick swayze sing scene you know where she's like crawling toward him and, oh like, the mickey and sylvia yeah. number yes yes and then neil comes in. he's like make sure you get your half hour's worth from this guy you know sometimes it's hard to talk to but uh, the ladies seem to like him she either gives you the full half hour you're paying him for kid uh, it's just I I hate so many of these characters, <laughs> and and it really does make the central characters very likable. Um, you certainly have to give that to them, right? You get the contrast, that nice contrast of the yes. obvious uh, now, bad people. <laughs> and there is Robbie, and I want to talk about Robbie because that leads into a broader conversation. Oh, we can talk about Robbie the rest of this episode, probably. Yes. Now, Robbie is a just blight on society. And there are many Robbies in this world. <laughs> and my, what this might contend for what I think is the perfect way to introduce a character as a complete and unadulterated asshole, which is that um, Baby comes to Robbie because Baby finds out that Robbie has has knocked up the one of the dancers, Penny, Penny, yeah. who is Johnny's partner, and you know uh, his dancing partner. Previously they dated, but now it's his dancing partner, and. He pulls out a copy of the Fountainhead Hell. and hands it to <laughs> Baby and is like, "Hey, looking out for number one, am I right?" And that it's just it's so hateable because I feel like a lot of people like I did this. I read the Fountainhead when I was like fifteen, and I, and then for like an hour I was like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool, self empowerment, look out for number one." And then I realized like, "Oh wait, I, this book's just telling me to be a dick." <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone <laughs> that really loves Ayn Rand. Well, I, Ayn Rand was not was not an empathetic human being, right? <laughs> uh, like this this style of of being is not especially empathetic or beneficial to society and the fact that that's what he pulls out and that is his initial rationale for ignoring this woman and not getting her help is so skeezy on a million levels it just sets up his character to be 20 times more hateable um i just had to call that out i Sorry, Nicole, you respond. I, I have an insane thing to tell you all after. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think it's also because Penny is lower class than he mm, is. There's a big yes. class divide as well as racial divide here. You know, all right. the Penny's not going to go get him a, a paternity test that he's going to have to pay alimony to. Right. The waiters are all you know recruited from Ivy League schools, and they're told explicitly to flirt with all the daughters, even the ones that aren't good looking. Right. Uh, to keep yes, them happy. And <laughs> yeah, all the daughters, even the dogs. And um, the 
entertainment staff, the dancers, are told very explicitly, you give them the dance lessons and that's it. Don't touch them. Don't stay around them. Go stay in your own area. You're not allowed because they're just people that he picked up from dance schools and in poorer neighborhoods in New York, I guess. So, you know, they're all street savvy, all the dancers, but none of them are have university educations as far as we know Mm -hmm. right this is their seasonal job right they'll go do dancing somewhere else you know or work some other job until summer comes around and they can start teaching dancing again yeah nowadays i think that's like cruise ship dancers you Mm -hmm. know make Mm, seasonal money this way cruise ship entertainers yeah, I mean, well, you know, Johnny, when he is ousted, at the, you know, toward the end, he is told he can keep his, his his summer bonus, you know, if he leaves quietly. It reminds me of um, skydivers. This is a thing that I learned that apparently a lot of skydivers will like you'll do tandem jumps, especially. Right. They work in the northern hemisphere in the summer, but then during the winter, they go down to the southern hemisphere. Oh, that's when all the, the jumping happens there. Um I need to all inform you of this discovery that I made. Please do. I was Googling Robbie, Dirty Dancing, just seeing, you know, just I had to refresh myself on his punchable face. Um, <laughs> and I came across a website. There's a block spot. Oh, boy. It is Dirty Dancing Analysis is the name of the blog. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, this person has been updating Fairly regularly, so they started this blog in 2008, and there's a whole, there's a thesis on <laughs> uh, Robbie Gold's philosophy that that he wrote in 2008. They had a response article to it in 2017. They have been updating this blog regularly since 2008. In, two, in 2022, they have had 116 updates to wow. their dirty dancing um, analysis blog. Do they have a visitor counter? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm looking. I'm checking. Is this in defense of Robbie, or is it just analyzing Robbie? Listen, I I didn't have time to read that. Is this like, hey, I've also read the Fountainhead and decided that Robbie is justified? Oh, they they had something that was their 1500th post. Wow, oh this goodness. person has been writing about Dirty Dancing for so long. This is a person who watches Dirty Dancing. Every day. It's part of their daily routine. It has to be. I can't imagine <laughs> anything else. It, it does. I couldn't live with this knowledge. I had to curse <laughs> <laughs> others. Others had I mean, to know. You know. If it makes them happy sure. and it's not keeping them from being productive, healthy person, <laughs> more power to them. You found God, your I, thing. I hope so. That's your thing. Good for you. I'm glad that you have that. So, so I I also hope that for them as well, yet fear for them at the same time. <laughs> because I don't know if this is oh. the movie you should have an obsession what with. What did they do when Patrick Swayze died? Oh, I, I got to oh. go I got to go back in. <laughs> Cuz I can't yeah. imagine how that must have how that must have hurt. Yeah, that must have been devastating. I mean, that hurt all of us. Well, yes. Because yeah. I mean, it, it, this is something that if you've done any kind of research on Patrick Swayze for any reason, you know, and, and I've googled him shirtless plenty of times. Sure, <laughs> and he's he was a really good guy, like just a yeah. really good person. 
And I mean, yeah. you know, something I found out doing research, I've got the 30th anniversary DVD because it was like seven bucks because I wanted to see what they had on the extras, which is not a lot. But they did have an interview with Patrick Swayze about his experience making this movie. And it's fairly well known around the set that he and Jennifer Grey didn't actually get along very well. Mm. They didn't get along on the set of Red Dawn, which they had done together a couple years before. Right. The movie can, before. It. You know, I I can kind of see that in their like dialogue scenes. But anyway, go on. Right. So, I mean, to the point, though, where they had to show them their dance chemistry test repeatedly to remind them <laughs> of how good they looked on screen together and to try to get them to make it work. Really? So, but he had nothing but nice things to say about Jennifer Grey and how hard she worked and how smart she is and what a great performance she gave. I mean, I think that really says something when you you know that they weren't connecting on a personal level but he was still praising her to the skies yeah i mean you can yeah. you can work with somebody like that just shows that how professional he is right it's yes, like absolutely we didn't you know we didn't get along personally but as a co-worker you know she was great hard working like that's you know good good for him right and i mean making this movie was a challenge there were days where it was you know 104 degrees they were filming in north carolina and virginia not in the catskills Gosh, i can't <laughs> And yet, and none, and none of those buildings had AC, I guarantee no. you, or AC no. that could be running <laughs> during and I think filming. By the time they got to the lake scene, the shooting had run so far over schedule that it was October. Yes. So, <laughs> so it, was like, it was like a 40 degree lake. It was apparently miserable. Yeah. And yeah. they were spray painting leaves on the trees to make yes, it continue to I look love, green. I love when you hear If about you're that. looking closely, you can tell exactly how cold that lake is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really can. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, well, going going briefly back to Robbie, you know, he has his comeuppance. Ah, yes. David, you put is his comeuppance a little too perfect? You know, everything in this movie gets tied up with a neat little bow, and for audiences, for like a, a date night movie, that's you know, that's what's that's his fine. comeuppance? Baby's dad takes his check back. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, well, he also he gets the the, the recommendation. Doesn't he for medical oh, school? Oh, right, right. That's true. And that's that gets taken away from him. Like, yes. you know, baby like, does oh. get to dump a pitcher of ice water on his crotch. Yeah, right. I don't know. This is still <laughs> sounding a little like a, you know, rich white kid got in trouble and is having minimal consequences to me. So, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, it is. I just mean like within the context of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Here's a, here's your future. Wait, you did what? Give me that back. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so so there's this whole subplot of the film you know that we've we've talked about and and nicole you mentioned our docket that it's handled in a remarkably sensitive way for the time the movie was made and the time it's depicting of course it's depicting 1963 made in the late 70s um no made in I, 1986 yeah it's made in okay 80s. Made, i'm sorry i don't know i said that I, yeah mid 80s <laughs> point being is uh i didn't even know that this entire movie subplot surrounded a dangerous and illegal abortion yeah and it blew my mind that that was like a even in this movie and handled so tactfully and b when they showed this to test audiences in 86 when they were done making it 39 percent of test viewers didn't understand what the subplot was that, that was so not commonplace that eight that 40 percent of people were like 
Oh, it was that? They didn't know. How could they have made it more obvious? I guess because they never use the word abortion. But they They use the classic euphemism saying that Penny's quote unquote in trouble. Right. Right. Got her in trouble, which was the classic 60s euphemism for, you know, you got her pregnant. Right. There's this absolutely horrific scene where Johnny's cousin, who was the one who took her to the clinic, you know, they come back after the big dance number and he's like, yeah, this was a dude with a dirty table and sharp knives and he locked himself in the room with her and I couldn't get to her. And it's just, I did not, I don't know what to say. I did not expect that in the middle of Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Like props to this movie. It gives it a meaningful backbone and I'm terrified by how relevant it is again. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I just, it blew my mind. It really blew my mind that this was in the movie. Would you want to have a baby with Robbie? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a, no, uh, I think, and you know, I don't want to like make this seem more, more important than it is, but I think like it, like something, but it's still like, it's very important. I think like the reality of showing something like that yeah, uh, and like the consequences of those actions, like not to say like, Dirty Dancing was a milestone of like civil liberties and civil rights. Um, but I think like having the reality is something that is like is super awesome. Like it's horrible, but it's awesome that they were like super honest about it. Not just like she went away and she came back after a weekend and everything was fine. Right. Uh, right. She just like, she just had to lay in bed for a scene. It's like, no, they're like, what she did was super dangerous and yes. there's yeah. real, very real consequences to it. Right. And she could have ended up sterile. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And they mentioned that in the movie. I, I am a little unclear how Dr. Houseman just fixes this because it sounds so horrific. I don't know what this dude is just doing with the minimal resources he has at this antibiotics. resort. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> antibiotics. Sure. Uh, some chicken noodle for, soup. For the dirty knife the guy used. Right. So I, I mean, thank God Penny has a has a reasonable outcome, but oh my gosh, I just yeah, it, it really I just I, I don't know what to say. I did not expect this in this movie. It handled it really really well, considering this is what it was like. You know, there yeah. were people who would travel around and they're like this guy's coming up for a weekend. We've got to book an appointment. It's super expensive yeah. because it's illegal. You know, if that person got caught, they would go to prison. So, you know, baby asks her dad for the equivalent of $2,500. Oh, is that today. what that is? Wow. Yeah. To pay for this. I thought that was pretty lit, by the way. I was we all. We need to come back around to her dad just giving it to her. Right. Uh, What's this for? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I was all on Dr. Houseman's side when he's like, here you go. Yeah. Like, That's pretty cool, dad. Um, right. But, um, what was I going to say? So, yeah, but this is, they would come around, they'd ca- charge fantastically expensive rates, yeah. and desperate women would pay this because there yeah. were various reasons why a woman would not want to be pregnant. And it was easier to get pregnant because the pill wasn't legal. People looked at you funny if you bought condoms in the drugstore back then, mm-hmm. and they weren't available everywhere. The pill wasn't legal until 1965 in all states. Yeah. So if you took a chance with a man who said he loved you and something went wrong, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you have health concerns, maybe it's your career as a dancer 
which yeah. could come to a crashing halt if you have oh, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, various, maybe you thought the man who loved you turned out to be a complete bastard. Or it's like, not even, not even like love, right? <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're up here. We're young. We're having a great time. There's right. no consequences to life. Right. I mean, you know, I'm bulletproof. Whatever. People should be able to enjoy one another yes. for pleasure but just because be, they're adults be, res you be know, responsible being responsible but be, it was harder to be responsible back then absolutely so this is you're right it's important because it will still happen if it's not legal it will just become dangerous it won't become eradicated yeah because there yeah. will always be people desperate enough to try it mm -hmm. right i i feel like this we have done an excellent job over the years on this show of remaining largely apolitical. You know, we have we, like have have we? Sure, we have. I, okay, Nicole is everyone. <laughs> everyone knows where Nicole is, but like we we've tiptoed you know around difficult things in the past. Um, there's no tiptoeing around this. I think we're all very much on the same page. And to see this in a movie from 1987, and to you know be in a reality where women could experience this right now mm. and will experience this right now is just, Oh, it's just horrifying and it's upsetting. And I did not expect this from dirty dancing. It's really what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. For all I those was, things that get memed, right. It's not, it's not this. I was not emotionally prepared for the dirty dancing subplot to hit me right in the feels and make me really upset about living in Texas. Right. Uh, was, but um, it is sensitively yeah. handled in that when Penny comes back and she's, been injured badly by this experience in addition to the emotional trauma baby goes and gets her father and her father comes she grabs yeah. his medical mm -hmm. bag so he knows it's an emergency and her father comes and he takes care of penny and he doesn't judge her lecture her he doesn't yes. judge her he just takes care of her and while you would like to think somebody who took a pledge to do no harm wouldn't judge someone or lecture them that that can happen. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> doctors are human, and some of them are jerks, and some of yeah. them don't take their Hippocratic Oath as literally as I personally would were I a medical professional. Mm -hmm. Of first, do yeah. no harm. Different definitions of harm, I guess. But they, yeah. the fact that Baby's father, Dr. Hausman, is so non-judgmental of Penny says a lot. And I mean, yes, he does turn around and judge Johnny. <laughs> but he doesn't out her either. No, That's the he other doesn't. thing. Well, you know, doctor, patient, confidentiality. It's like he doesn't out her. He goes and he gives her follow-up care, yep. you know, the next day. The dad is a really complex character to me in this movie because... Which, which is... Oh, no, no, go ahead, no, David. No, I was just saying, which is like kind of funny because he has that vibe of like, so checked out <laughs> at first. Like he does it first, yeah. Yeah, I'm checked out, Dad. That brings my family to the country club. Yeah, Jerry Orbach's just like, I'm bringing my family here so they'll get off my back. Right. They'll get off my back. You know, they'll all go do their activities. I'll throw money at them that, you know, just make the stop. Right. I'll uh, give them $2,500. But, but there's this, like, interesting nuance to his character. And there's one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when baby comes to him and she's like, Hey, I, I'll own it. I'm really sorry. I lied to you. It was wrong. And I told you I wouldn't do that. And you lied to me. You set the, your expectations and how you, you know, purported the world to be to me is not what it is. And I'm learning that the hard way because you weren't man enough and dad enough 
to do that for me. And it's a really well-written scene. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he is really emotionally affected by it. Mm-hmm. I just thought the father dynamic in this movie was more nuanced than I thought it would have been. It was very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I agree. After baby lies to him, you know, it gives her sister an opportunity to jump in. You know, her 26-year-old oh, yeah, sister, yeah. Lisa. Daddy's paying attention to me now. Yeah. Becomes Daddy's <laughs> new favorite. So she's yeah. Jane Brooker is the name mm-hmm. of the actress, and I think she does a good job. But someone who should never sing. All the boys of Okakokanoka Island gather all the gifts that Mulahana adds. They have combed their island home, fulfilling each whim, and it's worth it when they watch her shake her grass for five. Actually, she can sing. But she had to, you know, Did she fake have to purposely sing poor that? singing. Oh, that poor woman. <laughs> she wrote the song that she sings in the during the rehearsal for the show. She wrote that little thing that sounds like it's an outtake oh, from South yeah. Pacific. She was <laughs> only in four movies. Yeah. But something that's not at all nuanced that I had to bring up because it makes me just want to like shrivel into a corpse and die is the fact that this was widely regarded by media at, t- at the time as, quote, Star Wars for girls. Uh, <laughs> just the fact that that existed out in the world. I don't remember just- hearing that. <laughs> I read time. all all over this. So Google Star Wars for Girls, Dirty Dancing will pop up. This was like Ugh. a thing. Like critics at the time were calling it the, they were calling it the Star Wars for girls. Because at that point, it was still being referred to as the Star Wars. Girls already like Star Wars. I was going to say, you, you know what the Star Wars for girls is? Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> but just, I just had to call that out because it's just, just the fact that it was, it was still that like. No, no. Girls play with Barbies, boys play with army figures, Titan bullshit that that was still existing in the 1980s. It fills a different need. It's not. Yes. Yes. I I just had to call that out because that was wildly frustrating to me. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. A couple other discussion topics as we wrap down. One of which is stay cool, people. The actors are all over 21. Uh, Yes. Yes. Even though baby's supposed to be 17. Baby's supposed to be 17. Jennifer Grey was 27. Oh, jeez. She's 27? Yeah, yeah, she doesn't look 17. She's extremely like, young-looking 27, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, but I would have believed she was in her, you know, early 20s. Yeah. Whereas Jane Brooker was 29 and looks, you know, 37. But yeah. <laughs> right. How old was, was Swayze? Because Swayze's supposed to be like mid twenties, probably. Swayze's supposed to be like mid twenties. He was thirty five when this movie was made. Okay. I also believe that. <laughs> I mean, listen, guys, in fantastic. I mean, they are both incredibly beautiful people in this yeah. movie. Guy looks fantastic, and, and but... knowing that she's now twenty seven, that's not creepy. So, like, they 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 both just are like just stunning in this movie. Like, just very, uh, it's great. Yeah, that, this was <laughs> this was very attractive people. Formative. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to move on. Um, That's as far as I'll go with it. Got, got what we needed from that. Um, so uh, the intimacy of the dance practice scenes does a lot to carry the relationship between the characters. Uh, yeah, especially like him being annoyed at her at the beginning. You know, he's very frustrated that this he's stuck with this bad dance partner. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that scene where he's trailing his hand down her side and she keeps I love that part. That's cracking up. That's real. 
I believe. Yeah. And that's that such was a great... not supposed to happen. They caught it on film. It's a great character moment. That's his real annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it just, you know, like I, like I said, you can kind of feel a little bit that they don't have the greatest chemistry in their dialogue, but like when they're dancing together, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's chemistry. That's, yeah. That's true. I, I, I do that. watch this and I think what's drawing these two people together besides hormones? You know, what? <laughs> oh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's a reason. So I, I, I mentioned to you guys, I think, no, I am sorry. I did mention this. I met, I had dinner just before this and I mentioned this yes. to people who love this movie. And even they were like, what? At the beginning of this movie, there's a baby voiceover from like an older baby. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it was 1963 and it was the summer. My family went to the Catskills. That was the summer of 1963, when everybody called me baby, and it didn't occur to me to mind. That was before President Kennedy was shot, before the Beatles came, when I couldn't wait to join the Peace Corps, and I thought I'd never find a guy as great as my dad. That was the summer we went to Kellerman's. Never goes back to that. They don't wrap that up Titanic style, where we come back to baby as an old lady, and she chucks the jewel into the sea. Like, there's none of that. They just draw... They never bring it back. And that was so weird to me that that never got wrapped up with like baby being like, and that was the last time I saw that, you know, magnificent Swayze. Like there's none of that. <laughs> That's not too surprising. I feel like that was a thing in the eighties. Did like, they just forget about it though? Yeah. No, like, it's like, it, was, it was just a setup device. Okay. Yeah. Fair but, enough. Yeah. It's just like, it's easy. here's where we are. Here's why we're here. Right. Now we can yeah. like, you know, that, that I could see being like, people were a little confused at the beginning in a test audience right. or like somebody oh, from yeah, the studio yeah. was like, Add this in right here. Right. Though apparently one of the executives, when discovering about that subplot about abortion and realizing that the viewers didn't even understand it and those that did were upset, told them to, quote, burn everything, including the negatives. (laughs) Movie came out as is anyway. It Uh, made pots of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one question here, though. Would the story have worked in a post-Vietnam era from Nicole? Um, No. I don't think so. <laughs> and answered. I don't think so. I think that the, at least in my opinion, the change in youth culture throughout the late 60s into the 70s is so drastic. I don't know. No, maybe it would. I was going to say maybe like baby and her and, and her sister wouldn't be just like totally absentee of the world around them and they're just like daddy's little girls that go off to the Catskills in the summer but rich kids still existed in Vietnam they just didn't go so I don't know yeah I think there might have been a little bit more of an undertone yeah like especially because all of the all of the dancers that have been draft dodgers right well I also think it was there was more innocence in that Mm. time you know the Mm -hmm. baby was very smart but also very naive and that's what boy, i mean do right, i identify yeah. with that right okay uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know exactly so vietnam and watergate also kind of brought about this wave of cynicism in the youth sure. culture uh that wasn't there sure. before and in the kennedy Our assassination first televised war you know yeah this is the summer of 1963 before kennedy was assassinated and and actually, she mentions that in in that opening monologue, she says, you know, it's before Kennedy got killed, it's before the Beatles showed up, you know. So she, future baby that we never go back to, looks at this summer as like a the time of her life, peace in time, right? Yeah, because there is that interesting thing where like you know, 
this happens. That's time for, okay, we'll talk. Mm, wait a second about that. Uh, so there, there is an interesting element here where, you know, this happens during the summer of 63. And obviously, you know, Kennedy gets assassinated in November. And at least in terms of like healing as a country, the Beatles really helped that. And now I'm just getting into like a, a fun little Beatles history lesson because I, you know, we know I love the Beatles because the Beatles really helped that because the Beatles show up in February and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, that thing that makes everyone happy and we're all thrilled about it and the media is hyper focused on this and we're coming out of a time of national mourning. The Beatles needed to land when they did. Total diatribe. Not related to this movie at all, but she mentions it at the beginning, so I thought I'd mention it. And that. you can read Brett's thesis at <laughs> dirtydancinganalysis.blogspot.com. Right. <laughs> right. When she mentions right. the Beatles. Yeah. But no, I think, you're, I think you're totally right, Nicole. That innocence and that naivete might not be there as, as much. Right. Mm-hmm. I did want to throw in, before we wrap up, that this was based on the true experiences of the writer, Eleanor Bergstein. Yes. Oh, wow. So she apparently, you know... Went off to these resorts with her with her family and entered dirty dancing competitions somewhere. <laughs> you know, my mother told me at the time, I asked my mother, I'm like, was that, did that happen? And my mother was like, no, that was not a thing. And I d- honestly, I just think my mother's friends were lame. <laughs> <laughs> my mother was a, was a good girl. So <laughs> well, one thing I do want to call out that, um, it's a film I love, and I'll bring it to the show at some point. I know it's not the most critically loved film, but I really do like Across the Universe for a number of reasons. And one of the interesting things that that movie does is it portrays that innocence, right? Like, the lead characters are pre, during, and post-Vietnam. And that is all happening around them as, you know, the the movie progresses. And it's wrapped in this love story, wrapped in the Beatles, right? So, Westworld... What is her name? What is her name, the lead in Westworld? Evan Rachel Wood? Yes, Evan Rachel Wood. So that was, you know, one of her first leading roles. And her character goes on that journey where she is the rich, the rich white girl that has never experienced the world. And all of a sudden she meets a poor boy from Liverpool, who is the Paul McCartney stand in. And then the war happens around her, and then she gets incredibly activated by that and becomes you know a protester and all this other stuff point being is i think that movie actually handles that transition really well and i'm glad that this movie doesn't do that i'm glad it just lives in 1963 but i'm gonna complain now a lot um (laughs) i wonder why i just put into our docket anguish screams into the void because that's what i felt the and you you brought it up too nicole the anachronisms in this movie okay okay so the movie starts out and it plays Be My Baby. I'm in yeah. at this point. That is period appropriate. Be My Baby came out that summer. It was the hit of that summer. Yep. So that's great. And I can and, tell you it is uh, so associated with that movie that you hear that that snare yeah. hit at the very mm-hmm. beginning. And I'm like, Dirty Dancing. Who's showing <laughs> yeah. that? Where is it? I look for the TV, you know. And the Ronettes are amazing, and Ryan Spector just wrote a really amazing autobiography that everyone should read. But uh, in any case, then it gets weird. Then they start mm-hmm. playing songs from the 60s that are not from that era. Like, they play You Don't Own Me at one point. That did not come out at that point yet. It came out the next year. I know I'm being pedantic, but it's even <laughs> less pedantic to then say, what? What? They're... There are synths. There is time of my life. There is hungry eyes. There's that shit song that Patrick Swayze sings. Like, what is going on? What is happening here? 
It is important to note that she's like the wind in his tree, and he's got to sing about it. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> they they have so many good plays. Like they play the Temptations, and they play lots of they play great pre Beatles rock and pop and mm-hmm. and girl groups, and then there's just synth ballads in the middle of it, and I don't get it. It's so frustrating to me. I'm wondering if it was sort of a package deal. For the soundtrack, you know, like they licensed a certain number of songs and like, okay, yeah. but you got to take some of our current artists, too, to put on right. the soundtrack if you want to have these songs. It's so off-putting. And Patrick Swayze was like, if you're signing me on, I got to sing. I mean, that probably honestly was part of his contract. He's not a terrible singer. No, it's not the worst. It's not the worst, but I'm, I'm being aggressive. But, like, but it's very, it doesn't fit the time period. No, he literally hands a 45 to his cousin, who then puts on Time of My Life on right. it. And then it cuts to the inside of the room, and there's this weird disconnect where right as the horn section comes in on Time of My Life, one of the guys in the band is playing it. So yeah. it alludes to it. at some point during this mm-hmm. synthesized 80s pop ballad, the 1960s house band at this club is like, cool, we're in on that. You know, it's it's just it's this weird, like, call my cousin Chuck. He needs to hear this for his new sound. <laughs> it's your style. cousin, Marvin. Marvin, Marvin Berry. Berry. Disassociation. <laughs> that was just I couldn't. I'm such a music. I just couldn't get past it. It was so frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know they were big songs, though. I know these were huge hits. That was something that threw me even in. I mean, it didn't bother me so much where it's non-diegetic, you know, like during montages, Mm -hmm. I could kind of overlook it. I could overlook it with hungry eyes with the learning to dance montage. Right. You know, I could could overlook that a little bit. When it's just, but it's just part of the soundtrack. Right. At least at the time I could. This time it was more jarring, but at the time I could overlook that. But even when I was 15 in 1987, the time of my life comes on. I'm like, they wouldn't have had this song in 1963. <laughs> and it's clearly meant to be that song because Patrick Swayze right. lip syncs with it at one point. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and the band plays. Oh. Right. And the dancers are perfectly synchronized to it. So, right. I mean, uh. and that, that was where I was like willing for a second during the scene. I'm like, oh, maybe this is just the, the music overlay of the movie. And, it, and I'm, I'm supposed to suspend that from the movie until he starts singing it. Right. But, um, I mean, I, I get it. Like, we talked about this with the bodyguard when that was another you did this to us, how that was a cultural phenomenon turned mm-hmm. platinum record. And this was that. I mean, even yes. that song Patrick Swayze sings, which is less recognizable than the other two, still yes. went platinum. So, I had this soundtrack. <laughs> so did yeah. every <laughs> other... Um, I don't want to make too many assumptions. I would say nearly every other straight girl that age had that soundtrack. <laughs> and some of the hair choices, too. You mentioned that in our docket, Nicole. There are some definitively 80s styles here. Yeah, baby's hair, curly hair was not... People did not wear their curly mm. hair down. No. Ever. No. Back then. No. They, yeah. they, you know, they boofed it, they poofed it, they put wigs on, but they did not leave it natural and very soft-looking. You know, I yeah, wanted to like yeah. tat it. Very easy several <laughs> times in this movie to just kind of be like, 
oh right but this is supposed to be the 60s like yeah it just looks like there's it's like the 70s or some or like the 80s still like a lot of it is just very like it's the 60s but it's very vague and because you know those camps that still many of them probably exist today i don't know the ones that are still in uh operation but probably not many fairly fairly similar yeah that's true it's going to be far less these days but but you're right, like the camp, because it's not taking place in an urban environment or even like a residential town or something like that, because it is separated from reality being in this camp, it feels even less like the 60s in some ways, right? It's mm-hmm. right. It's very easy to forget when this is. It's just outside of time. Yeah. Right. And, and the movie, aside from that, aside from that, you know, subplot in the middle is not topical in any way. It doesn't mention anything happening in 1963 it it mentions the freedom riders brett oh yeah i forgot (laughs) neil aside from neil you know being showboating to her yeah there's not a lot of that you know one thing that this movie does capture super well i thought is that feeling of being in a bubble when you're at that kind of resort of being this is its own little world Mm -hmm. it has its own rules this is where you have your summer romance and then you go home and you maybe write a couple letters and then you lose contact with them forever. So. Yep. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Something I recently watched that this reminded me a ton of, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it to both of you and the audience is on HBO. They recently released a new show called Minx and it is mm. about a woman that yes. really wants, it takes place in the seventies and she badly wants to publish a women's magazine all with uh, interesting, you know, uh, civil articles and thought pieces and all this sort of thing. And no one will take her seriously. And Jake Johnson plays this like kind of skeezy dude. Who's like, Hey, I'm a magazine publisher. I'll do it. It just kind of has to has we have wieners in it. Like this has to be <laughs> uh, a women's porn magazine and you can write like Gloria Steinem articles in the middle of it. You can, yeah, you can write whatever you want. And and this is her way to write these articles. And there is a whole episode in the show where it shows her upbringing, and her upbringing is going to these types of clubs. And she goes to this club, you know, where her family goes, and everyone, you know, meets and greets the same people every week. And it's very insulated in that regard. And her breaking out of that insulation by doing something that they think is horrific and grotesque by aligning herself with these deviants reminded me a ton of this movie. Uh, so I highly recommend Minx. It is excellent. But, uh, so is it M-I-N-X? M-I-N-X, yes. As okay. a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. The people agree. It is amazing. <laughs> uh, definitely watch Minx. So yeah, just similar in that regard. But I think that about rounds us out for Dirty Dancing. I like this a whole lot more than any you did this to us. You can keep doing it to us if it's like filling in those bingo card things on my, you know, movies <laughs> I haven't seen that I should. Like, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say that because then we'll only get worse Occasionally, movies. Occasionally, we've gotten ones that are... We got what we do in the shadows. Yes. I think that's the one we all look to as the gold standard. <laughs> as the gold standard. <laughs> movies we didn't ask for, but we're delighted to have to talk the absolute about. absolute gold standard. <laughs> yes, that yes. was our thank you. Thank you once. Yes. <laughs> Once. Well, they still they still did cats and the emoji movie, so I, I'm not forgiving them. <laughs> unforgivable. Yeah. Uh, unforgivable. But uh, any final thoughts on Dairy Dancing? Uh, you know, it's it's a movie that 
if you've never seen just because you're like, it doesn't really seem like my kind of thing. I mean, I respect that. I get that. But I think it's also more entertaining then it's really like, charming. Watch it with some friends. This is like a great, like yeah. watch it mm-hmm. with get a couple people together, put this on. You can talk through most of the plot, um, but also just like, you know, have it on, enjoy it. It's, it's an entertaining film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would agree. I, I had been a couple decades since the last time I saw this. I mean, I've seen it uncountable times, but not for a, not for a while. And I had it sort of pegged in my head as, cheesy you know romantic drama with some dancing in it and i remember mm-hmm. you know i remembered the dramatic subplot and everything but it's better than i remembered <laughs> it's smarter yeah. it's more smartly written than i remembered it's the dancing is better than i remembered it's more engaging so yeah i would recommend definitely go back to it and i'm super curious brett this being your first time yeah. watching this movie what you what you thought yeah, um, I thought it was it was very charming in in all of its romance and dancing and that sort of thing. I, I I would agree it's very engaging. Like I've said repeatedly, shocked at the turn it takes with the the dangerous abortion that Penny has. I, I laud this movie for that, and just it's still I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that that exists in this movie, and I think it's wonderful. It does. I think it shines a very interesting light on a very bad situation. I think. No one puts baby in the corner is kind of a dumb line. <laughs> I think it's kind of a dumb line. Well, Brett would totally put baby in the corner. Ugh. He would. It's weirdly delivered because he just like bursts into this hall and like looks at the dad and he's like, nobody, nobody puts, puts baby, baby in, in the, the corner. corner. It's great. And the dad's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, the, the look of pure bewilderment on the father's face shows that the line did not land whatever way that Johnny thought it would. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And so having heard that my whole life, having now seen the scene, I'm like, eh, I don't know. For years, I thought she said it. For like, Before I saw this movie, I was like, she must say this. And I thought she said it to Patrick Swayze. Uh, like, that just made the most sense to me. And then when I actually saw it, I was like, oh, huh. That's the way that goes. I had forgotten that this was the movie with the line, and at one point thought it was from a boxing movie. <laughs> I don't know why. In my head, I was like, that's got to be a boxing line, right? Like, nobody puts you in the corner. Like, I thought, like, Clint Eastwood is, like, telling someone that. Nobody throws in the towel for Johnny. <laughs> right. Like, like, Clint is telling someone that while he's, you know, rubbing their shoulders and, like, you know, patting their blood patches when they got to push him back into the ring. I don't know why that was in my head like that, like that. but, um, yeah, Dirty Dancing. I thought thoroughly enjoyed it i am glad we watched it so ha that's on you and, listeners and uh, <laughs> if you want you can catch the real dirty dancing all four episodes out now on fox and will there be another season i don't know isn't there a dirty dancing too where he makes a cameo uh there is Dirty dancing havana nights and he's yeah. in it as like an instructor for one scene i think so yeah yeah and yeah. that guy from uh ituma Mama Tambien and uh, Rogue One is in it. Um, oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, Gabriel. <sighs> Not Gael Garcia Bernal, the other no, one. No, Diego Luna. Yeah. Diego, Diego Luna, yes. Diego Luna. That's, I don't know why I get them <laughs> mixed up. He also has his own, new, his own new show coming out like less than a month from now. So, uh, Andor. I cool. have not seen Dirty Dancing 2 Havana Nights. <laughs> Well, mm. you're not alone. Uh, most people have not. <laughs> it was not well reviewed. No. Yeah, I mean, 
hell of a cast though. John Slattery's in here for some reason. All right, well, okay, I'm gonna get it, get down this rabbit hole. Okay, uh, very good. Dirty Dancing. We watched it. You did this to us. Next week, Nicole, a reminder, new to two. What are we watching? We will be watching Midnight Special, and if all things go well, we will have guest Corey Scott joining us. Very, very good. I cannot wait. I'm excited to catch up with him. Uh, let's go around the horn so you can find everybody online. David, what are you up to? Uh, people can find me, Davlos, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. And you, Nicole. I have a litter box to count at Nicole underscore Davis. You can check out all my lists. Very, very good. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. And a final reminder, you can vote on these episodes. You did this to us.com. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. You will see when those pop up because we will announce them. But until next time, we will see you with New to Two next week. Mm-hmm.